Can you hear it, my friends? Chance off in the distance. Rowdy, 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 rowdy. Do it again. Rowdy, Another 2 2 pitch. And Telez in the air, right field. He is watching. Park is back. Goodbye. Rowdy, rowdy, Telez. Three run blast. Brewers take the lead. Rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Look at Willie Adamas. Look at that. Listen to that. There it is. They're chanting your name, Rowdy. In fact, BA in the broadcast, he let that breathe for 30 seconds. He let the fans just do his thing. That's that's a sign of a good broadcaster, right? When something good happens and you just sit back and you let it breathe. Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy. Am I the only one fired up about Rowdy Tellez? You shared the name with the guy. No, I I think it unfortunately oh. it's hard it's hard to kind of hear it, especially on the broadcast. Unfortunately, it was a Wednesday day game. <laughs> if, <laughs> if that would have been hey. if that would have been like a Friday or Saturday or even a Sunday afternoon game, yeah. that place would have been even crazier. Oh, for sure. I um it was a pretty, it was pretty good uh, attendance there at American Family Field. I'm trying to find the exact one. Twenty eight thousand, uh, I think they were talking. Hey, for a Wednesday yeah. day game, hell yeah, brothers. So I will have me some uh, comments here from Rowdy Tellez coming up because that dude, that dude's a beast. It's his fifth home run. He's batting three thirty nine since joining the Brewers. He is crushing, dude. Rowdy, Rowdy, David Stearns. How many bad moves has David Stearns ever made? Jonathan Scope, DFAing Scooter Jeanette. Remember we went down that list? Daniel Norris. And <laughs> for, time you would, you would say for out. the most part, probably like 80% of the moves, they've been thumbs up. Yes. They've either, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like 80% of the moves where we went through them because this was like this was a while was this ago. last winter, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was like 80% of the moves were either thumbs up or net neutral. And like 20% of them were like, eh, that's probably looking back. That's a thumbs down. And we weren't sure. And David Stearns like literally has the Midas touch. We weren't sure about Rowdy Telez, right? In fact, at the time, we're like, eh, I don't know about this one. Well, by God, the dude's just crushing it. Rowdy, Rowdy. Speaking of Rowdy Telez, so he wasn't doing too hot. The Blue Jays, right, Rowdy? Like he was, well, he was batting 204. He yeah. had like, what was it, four home runs? He was he was also playing in Triple A at at times. We have a question here. Our guy from Scotland, Ram Jam, says, "Why is everyone called Rowdy in the United States of America?" <laughs> I, I only know I only knew one guy, and that was who I'm looking at right here, Nelson, aka Rowdy Razor. And then this guy oh, Rowdy Telez no. comes in. Oh, no. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, rest in peace. And Rowdy Ronda. Oh if, no, yeah. no one likes her. Yeah, but still, she was called Rowdy. I didn't even know that. Yes, you did. I guess I might have blocked yeah, it out of my yeah, memory. You probably blocked it. Okay, out. so there was Rowdy Rowdy Piper, rest in peace, to the great ring in the sky. I love him. There was also, then I met this guy named, I forgot that Ronda Rousey was yeah. Rowdy She's, Ronda yep. Rousey. I guess I'll count it. And then I met this guy named Nelson Raysback, a.k.a. Rowdy. So I guess there was three oh, that Rowdy I knew Razor. of. Oh, oh, and Hank Williams Jr. He goes by the nickname Rowdy, too. Those are his Rowdy friends, though. 
Yeah, but he he called himself Rowdy as well. You can't call yourself Rowdy. Okay, so we'll throw Hank out. Yeah. And then He's, we'll, we'll count his Rowdy friends. I think what you're getting at is there's like five or less. Correct. So Ram Jam, to, to answer your question, not everyone in America is named Rowdy. <laughs> Just some high-profile people. Just some high-profile people. And one of those guys wore a kilt. He did. And it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't Telez. Could have been uh, Ronda, though. Could have been. Rest in peace, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I love you. Your movie, They Live, was incredible. So Ram. <laughs> call myself Rowdy, Rowdy Ram. Ram. Uh, Rowdy, we got another. We got another one. Rowdy Telez talks on what changed from his uh, time in Toronto to coming to Milwaukee. Uh, I get to play. It's tough to drive in runs when you don't play. And I didn't play very well in the time that I did. You know, it's a little different. When you don't get to play every week, you know, and, and pinch hitting, like I said, is tough. So just the ability to get to play every day, you kind of get in a groove, you get in a rhythm, you get comfortable. And to yeah, have the support of everybody uh, around you, teammates, staff, fans, you know, everybody, it's it's one of those things where it's like keeps that confidence high. I like how he just says, yeah, I get to play. Well, I mean, and <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I'm playing. We I'm know that play. Toronto has a good baseball team. We know that their infield is pretty good and they have a lot of young talent. Full of nepotism. He he's kind of he was kind of in the same situation that if you look at Luis Arias when he was with the Padres, you're looking at that Padres organization and they had Manny Machado, they had Tatis Jr., they had Cronenworth. All of those guys played second or shortstop at the time when they were coming up. You there was no room for Luis Arias, even though he was a top 100 prospect, even though he was a guy that was one of their top prospects in their farm system at the time of that trade. Yeah. There just wasn't room for them. Look at look at uh, an example for the Milwaukee Brewers farm system. Remember when they had the Domingo Santanas? They had the Brett Phillips. They had Corey Ray. They had all of those two outfielders. Of those guys came over from one yeah. trade. Yeah. They had all of those With outfielders. Two other guys uh, still on the team. Oh, they had another guy that they traded to the White Sox, too, for a relief pitcher. But anyways, they had all of these outfielders oh that were God, all yeah. top prospects, and they all can't play in the outfield, especially when you had an outfield that already had Lorenzo Cain, yeah. Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun. Ryan there was Braun. no Ryan room for any of them. Braun. And Ryan that's Braun. that's probably more or less what happened to Rowdy Telez for the fact that's Rowdy. why he wasn't playing that much. Because look at his numbers. When he was in Toronto, he played in 50 games, got over 150 <laughs> at-bats. He hit four home runs, had just eight RBIs, and was hitting 209. With the Brewers, in just 20 games, he's had over 60 at-bats, hitting four home runs, exactly the same number that he had in 150 at-bats, has more RBIs, and he's batting 327. Yeah, man. Everything is way higher and for the percentage of games that he's played a much better clip He's with consistent playing time. Yeah, I get to play. And we've said it earlier. He plays better defense than yes, any of the other guys that have played first base because he's a natural first baseman. Here's more. Know. Did you see Escobar's play at first yesterday? Closed his glove too soon. Yeah. Hits off RJ, his glove and he barehanded we're, we're it. We're trying to forget yesterday, okay? Why? Well, it was okay, well, yesterday. Uh, you're thinking two days ago. Oh, yeah, sorry. I yesterday. My days are all screwed up. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, during his second start, because did didn't Escobar didn't Escobar close the glove too soon? Didn't he Hits mess up two days ago? Didn't Escobar mess up two days ago? Two days ago, yeah. he had. Okay. I keep thinking my days are up. Willie yeah. Adamas. We're talking about the win yesterday. Had first, he had the opportunity to go to second base and get the easy quick out. Mm-hmm. He decided to throw it across the diamond, short hopped it, and 
Escobar did not score. I'm still upset about two days ago. I want to talk happy things. that's one thing with Rowdy Telez. He's shown that he is a pretty good glove over there yeah. at first base. He's been the best. We See, we we picked up. I mean, he came over as a first baseman where these other guys have yeah. been like, he plays third, we'll put him at first. Yeah. He <laughs> plays second, we'll put him and at we first. And we talked about put him at first. Like, the only other guy that really had any experience coming into this season that has played first base for the Milwaukee Brewers was Daniel Vogelback. Yep. And he was a guy that came up as a DH and only and he played first base right every <laughs> once in a while. Like, he was a guy in, when he was playing for Seattle more consistently. Mm-hmm. He was their DH. He wasn't playing first base unless he was hot and they wanted him in the lineup in, like, an NL game. Yeah. Like, so- he hardly had any experience. Okay, Telez is actually a first base. So I want to talk happy things. I, I don't want to. Th- I don't want to think about two days ago again. You get all upset. But I was. I was talking about the yeah yesterday. My apologies. I, I. I'm not apologizing, but I'm just saying my apologies. But here is Rowdy Telez about happy things. He's happy to be in Milwaukee. It's so cool when coming here. Um, it's just been kind of a blessing. You know, I, I've always wanted to to be somewhere where it's. You know, everybody wants to be somewhere where they can hear their name chanted and. and be wanted and uh and it's it's just great fans are awesome here they're loyal you know i couldn't ask for a better environment to be in sounds like he was looking to be loved and you're loved now rowdy Rowdy, rowdy. it's funny that a lot of guys now i'm gonna say this just for the state of wisconsin in general a lot of guys (laughs) say i don't want to go to milwaukee and play whether it be the nba or the mlb i don't want to go to green bay and play it's cold but then they finally get there. They're like, damn, this place rules. And they love it. Yeah. Look at look at uh, Bobby Portis. Bobby he Portis. said the only reason why he came to Milwaukee is because of Giannis and how he saw him playing in the bubble and how he was leading and how he worked hard. And then everyone started chanting his name. Was unsure about the city, but now everyone's chanting his name. Loves everyone loves him. He basically has a key to the city. Look at uh, Bobby, Rowdy, Bobby, Greg Monroe Rody, was like the, the free agent Robbie that started a lot of this for the Bucks, And he was even talking about on Twitter how he took a chance on signing with Milwaukee because yeah, really he thought that uh, they were going to start to build something there. Yeah, Didn't love the city at all, but took a chance. Ends up really liking the city. Take or chance, how about, chance, since we're take talking Brewers, CC Sabathia. A guy that gets traded from Cleveland to the Milwaukee, loved the city, wished, he even said in interviews, wished that he could have signed with the Brewers again because he loved his time there. He could have. But he, in theory, he could have, but really (laughs) he could have. Hey, he could have. Because, and he even said it was like, the Players Association never would have let him sign with the Brewers for the the type of discount that he would have have taken from like the Yankees. But it's just a, a ton of different players that all of a sudden they get there, and whether they're a cult hero for a year or whether they're actually a superstar for a decade, I got it. they finally get to the city and find out that I got it. Or the like fans there are I got super Scotty, passionate. Scotty, they do love them, and all of a sudden they're bigger than what they were. Here's how we need to make it. Who's ever new here for our respective teams, whenever they come in, you immediately have to stand, uh, start chanting their name. What if they have like a name that's hard to chant? Like it has too many syllables. There's nicknames. Like Christian Yelich, we really need to start chanting his name because yeah, he's Lee. he's gonna be yeah, coming back Lee. this weekend. Yeah, Lee. And yeah, he's he has been stinking this year. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, Lee. And hopefully it'll give him some oh, Bobby we, Portis, yeah. Rowdy Telez. You know, to to that extent, just look at the Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah. Well hey real nobody quick. chanting Gordon Bombay's name in the start we, of the movie and he missed the We're goal. gonna have a good Christian Charlie Yelich topic tomorrow. Yeah, you just wait. We're gonna have a Christian Yelich topic tomorrow Rowdy. before he 
potentially could be activated. Rowdy, Rowdy Razor, not Telez, Rowdy Razor and I were talking yesterday, and he's like, I got a good Yelly topic we're for Friday. we have to start calling him Nelly. So. No, he's the he's the, he's the first Razor. <laughs> so we don't get confused? Uh, he's the first Rowdy. But speaking of having your name uh, chanted, Telez is like, I'm a, I'm a fan. A little bit more so leading up to the box, and then, you know, when you step out and they still keep it going, it's pretty cool. Funny thing was, is I was actually getting ready to to pinch hit and Axford was walking out and he was like, Hey man, you should hit one off the Toyota car. That'd be pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, I said, that would be pretty cool. You know, it is, it's a cool feeling, especially when you have your teammates behind you too. And just a great environment to be in, you know, so it's just, it's nice to to have people behind you. It is. And, uh, to I mean, he put the freaking ball, he slapped that thing 421 feet. He talks about the big win after that, that tough loss last night. I think guys came in and were like, okay, we got to get something going. You know, guys got on base in front of me. Guys put together good at bats, got to the bullpen, and we were able to do what we needed to do. And, you know, a win's a win. So that's what we're looking forward. We're going to keep capitalizing on uh, each win and building on it. All right, boys, speaking of wins, I'm going to play one more clip from Rowdy Telez, and then i got to bring up a stat. I know you guys already know about it, but I'll bring up a stat about wins. And there might be a big eye roll from one of us in this room when it comes to the wins in Major League Baseball for pitchers. But before that, I think you'd get eye rolls from a lot of people in this room. Rowdy Telez talks about the reason why I brought that up is because Rowdy Telez talks about a certain individual when he got traded to Milwaukee. He talks about how Milwaukee immediately felt like home. I think the first thing that I noticed was I got traded, and as I was on the phone with the GM, Brent Suter texted me. And it was just like, hey, welcome to the team. If you need anything, let me know. Guys were texting me, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm wanted here. I'm welcomed here. Got into the clubhouse early when we were in New York. Murph made some jokes. And I was like, you know, this is this is like home. Like this is like I'd been here for a while. Everybody just open arms and I came in and it was really easy transition, especially for me. Drafted in 2013 with the Jays, never been anywhere else. You know, being traded's tough, but when you get to an organization and a team that treats you this well and is talking to you all every step of the way, and it was like I'd been here for years. So it's awesome here. All right, so there's Rowdy Telez. He's, he's on the phone with the GM. I can just see Suter in the back there. Hey, hey, what's his number? I want to text him. No, no, no. Hey, 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 what's his number? And finally, they're just, here, here's his number. Here, just stop. Shut up. Stop <laughs> bugging me. I'm on the phone. <laughs> well, boys, he brought up the name Brent Suter. Yesterday afternoon after the Brewers won, guess what? The first Brewers pitcher with double-digit wins this season belongs to Brent Suter. He now has 10 wins on the year. Yeah, how about all those decisions on his ledger? 10 and 5. Wow. That's a lot of decisions for a relief pitcher. Brent Suter has now been the first pitcher, and we have Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, all guys who are in a, according to Vegas, I mean, I think Brandon Woodruff has... Is he number two for Cy Young candidacy? Corbin Burns is top five, I think, and then Peralta's top 15. Sounds so official for Cy Young candidacy. Thank you. (laughs) And then Brent Suter is the first one of all these guys to get the double-digit wins. Good for him, I guess. Great for Suter. Now, going going back to Rowdy Telez and feeling (laughs) like he got there. All right, there and we go. Feel, There's Brent Suter's moment in the sun. And feeling Let's like step he, back here a minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. feeling like he's he's finally got a home. I think that might also help being in Milwaukee because remember he says that he came from Toronto and that's the only place he's been. We talked about how they had a ton of talent, ton of young talent. They're all over in that infield, so there really wasn't a spot for him. Let's go one further and talk about how 
that Toronto team has been playing in Buffalo the last two years. Yeah, they don't really have a home they either. They don't really have a home either. So if if you're a guy like Rowdy Telez, who has been his entire career with the Toronto Blue Jays, you probably have a home or a place to stay wherever the area you're from. Yes. You probably have a place to stay in the Toronto area. And then you probably had a place to stay in Buffalo because uh, uh, of a man just with the, no home, the weird... Uh, 2020 and COVID stuff, and now with Toronto this year, much of Canada being locked down, not quite to the extent of Australia like we talked about earlier. Yeah. But now those Blue Jays that were playing in Buffalo the whole time are now able to go back to Toronto. Wild. There you go. Rowdy Telez, well done, dude. You are a beast. Have yourself a cigar, my friend, because you have earned it. And Brent Suter, you don't strike me as a cigar guy, but since you did get to uh, double-digit wins, I guess you can uh, maybe take some secondhand smoke from Rowdy Telez. <laughs> Just inhale it, baby. Soak it in. Have a cigar, Rowdy. Here is Sophia Minnert talking with uh, Rowdy Telez. Rowdy, they're still chanting your name behind you here at American Family Field after the pinch hit homer, but you come up, you are down 0-2. Take me through that at-bat, what you were looking for to connect on the fastball. Uh, you know, I got a pitch I could handle, um, fouled it off, and then just battled my way back into getting another pitch I could handle, and he left something over the heart of the plate. So uh, able to put a good swing on it and uh, got to do some damage and put some runs on the board. It's been less than a month for you with Willie the Brewers, Dose. but five. The camera short circuits out. Willie Adamas is like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> It's been less than a month for you, Rowdy, but you've got five homers already with this team. What's been this difference for you here with the power? Uh, I think just compl- uh, consistent playing time, uh, being able to get on the field every day. Uh, my staff has faith in me to, to play both sides of the ball, so um, that does a lot for the confidence, and it's just a, it's an all-around good environment in the clubhouse and on the field, so that, that allows a player to be their best. You know, you, know, you know a player's good, Rowdy, is when they wear those specs that you can't even, they're like the metallic-looking specs. It's like they're like from the 80s. That's what Rowdy Telez was rocking yesterday. You know the glasses I'm talking about? Like you can't even see their eyes. It's just like weird reflection. Like uh, it's like yellowy tinted kind of. Yeah, it's it's like kind of like the uh, Aaron Jones yes. sunglasses. Yep, like the Macho Man ones. Yeah, they're really big in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, you know you're good when you're rocking those. And when they're chanting your name at American Family Field. Rowdy Telez just grinning ear to ear after he gets dumped with what I'm going to assume is truly Hard seltzer rowdy all over the other rowdy, rowdy Telez. <laughs> it's hard to keep all these rowdies straight. <laughs> when people are already confused please enough. Call, please, it's not going to be any more confusing. Call him Ryan. We'll call him Ryan John. Ryan John Telez. People are Who already confused hell is enough. Ryan Telez? I've had a couple people ask me, like, how many people sit in the studio with me? Like, well, I know you have Nelson, and then there's Nelly, and then there's also Rowdy. Like, how, do you, how many mics and chairs do you guys have in there? Like, I'm going to blow your mind for a second here, my friends. We have four mics, but we only use two of them. And believe it or not, Nelly, Nelson, and Rowdy are all the same guy. Yeah, it blows their minds. I think uh, one of them was a coworker's significant other, and I asked her what was his favorite guy. <laughs> Which I think he said. I don't know. I think he said Rowdy. <laughs> I don't know what he said. I'll have to revisit that. Which that would be even funnier. Yeah. Well, here's the thing there. Turns out Nelson is making his own um, a spinoff of the movie Split, where that one guy has got 23 different personalities. Nelson's going to make his own, but it'll be Nelson, Nelly, and Rowdy. It'll be uh, 
We're working on the title of it, but we're shopping around to Hollywood right now. They're running out of I ideas. I think they so. just call it the Three Stooges. <laughs> so now it's even more confusing when we talk about Rowdy Telez. So we got all kinds of rowdies. We tried. We talked about it earlier this morning. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, rest in peace. Ronda Rowdy, Ronda Rousey, who was I didn't know her nickname was Rowdy. I just didn't really pay attention to her. And then you have Hank Williams Jr. I think called himself Rowdy as a nickname. You have Rowdy Telez, and now you got Rowdy Razor over here. Which one reigns supreme? My no offense to you, Rowdy, but my hierarchy right now goes Rowdy, Rowdy Piper, then Rowdy Razor, which is you, then Rowdy Telez, then Rowdy Hank Williams Jr., and then I'll go Rowdy Ronda Rousey after that. That's my hierarchy. How about you? A lot, a lot of those Rowdies are past their prime, or unfortunately, dead. Some of them might never had a prime. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Some of them are dead. So you can cross them off cross the list. Cross them off the list then. I, but okay, I that's league. the major league quote for the yeah, day. We haven't had a major league quote of the day, but there you go. Uh, so uh, real quick before we um, talk some Packers coming up here, I have comments from Aaron Rodgers that I want to get to. Uh, him and Brian Gutekunst apparently working on their relationship. Uh, Rowdy Rebel the Rapper. I don't even know who that is, Ram Jam. Is he a Scottish rapper? I have no idea. I mean, if th- he doesn't even count then. We don't... We were crossing him well, off the we, list. We were just talking about Rowdy Telez and the Milwaukee Brewers, and I know you want to play those clips coming up, but how about they get to play the San Francisco Giants here coming up, three-game series at American Family Field, Giants' best record in baseball, but what do we know about the Brewers? They play up to their competition. No we, doubt. Know, we know that in seven games against the Padres this year, they finished the season five and two. We know that they've played four games against the Dodgers. They're three and one. That's the best division in baseball. They now have three coming up at home against San Francisco before the end of the month. They go four on the road with San Francisco, and then they close the season out with three games on the road against the L.A. Dodgers. But so far, they've completely taken care of business against the NL West. Yes, they have. Yeah, they've, they own the NL West. I mean, we don't really need to mention the Arizona Diamondbacks. Who? They've been owned by pretty much everyone. Except for that one game when they, um, the Brewers let them <laughs> break their 17-game losing streak. Yeah. But, hey, but, we, don't, we don't want to talk about that. But, yes, they've been owned by everybody. They've just been passed around. Name, image, likeness. Now ruling college athletics. Midnight Express, not the Freebirds. Name, image, likeness. If Shiner Bach, or Shiner Beer, I should say, I'm going to drink their Bach beer. If Shiner wants to give us a a deal, which they kind of are this week, I guess. Yeah. Go to MadCitySportsZone.com for our relief pitcher of the week. You can can win, you know, some beer. And while you're there, Rowdy, what they can do... um, It's the beer fridge that's stocked with all the beers we've had, right? Uh, That you have till, like, I think middle August? Do you remember exactly? Yeah, it was August 15th at 9 p.m. So, if, yes, what Ebo's talking about is you can go Thank to you. madcitysportszone.com. You go to the webpage. Obviously, it'll pop right up. It'll be the beer of the week, which is Shinerbach. Which I'm uh, sampling right now just because it's so good. And you can sign up there. And then right, right when you sign up for the beer of the week, so, so, Shinerbach, you'll also <laughs> see another uh, pop-up. And it'll be for a free fridge. And not only is it a free fridge, it's stocked with all of the beers of the week hmm. up until August 15th until 9 p.m. That's badass. So I hope you're listening, Charlie. There's two more beers we don't even know about yet? Yeah, that'll be in the fridge. So I'm drinking the Shiner Bach right now. It's awesome. I'm a big fan. I'm going to quit just to win it. Mm. 
A smart plan. <laughs> All right, so name image likeness. Jalen Berger. Obviously the running back for the Wisconsin Badgers, one of the many running backs. A lot of upside, right? Hopefully they get him off that snap count of 15 uh, moving forward. But University of Wisconsin running back Jalen Berger has signed with Rosenhaus Sports for name, image, likeness, representation. Now this isn't this isn't like him getting a deal. Yeah. This is him giving representation with Rosenhaus Sports. So Drew Rosenhaus obviously oversees this. This is a really this is big for not only Jalen Berger, but RJ, you suggested really big for the Wisconsin Badgers. I like how it was first reported by a guy from the Tuscaloosa News. That guy must be really on on point with the uh Maybe maybe he's friends with Drew. Drew's like, hey, by the way, yeah. I'm, signing, I'm signing this guy. Here's the story. So RJ, no. you said to me that this is huge yeah. for Wisconsin. You know, if if that's one thing, because what's Drew Rosenhaus known for in the football world? Getting money. Outside of and big names, uh, outside of uh, Aaron Jones, yeah, Aaron Jones, he was like, <laughs> Getting yeah, huge I money. want a new agent, but I'm gonna take the deal they gave me originally. I just wanted a new just agent. Wanted a new agent, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, big money, big names. Yeah, and I mean, if if you think about it, you, you're seeing, and I'm not saying it's gonna get up to a backup quarterback who hasn't even started for Alabama yet already has a million dollars in endorsements. Hopefully he he's successful. Oh yeah. That'll go away real fast if he's not true. Um, but if the signing of this kind of thing and Rosenhaus getting Rosen, Rosen, or, Rosen. and as the nation looks at it, getting a guy from tiny Wisconsin, tiny uh, deals and all that kind of stuff. And national in the, in the nation's eye, which I mean, Wisconsin running backs really haven't had a hard time of doing no. in in the in the recent years. Um, but if you can start getting that guy money, it opens the door for running backs. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with the old linemen signing a food deal, but I mean, if, depending on what kind of deals you start seeing coming in for Jalen Berger, I mean, that could be huge for Wisconsin in the recruiting well, battle because it's like I don't have to go to said school that has been bad at football lately uh, uh, just because it's on a coast. Well, the thing know? is, this is great not only for Jalen Berger, right, but this is also great for Wisconsin, as RJ is obviously suggesting, because Drew Rosenhaus and his agency wouldn't wouldn't just be like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. There's a long-term plan here, I'd imagine, because what do we know about Wisconsin football? Running back university. You will now see right here of Drew Rosenhaus saying, this is a no-brainer for me. We'll be looking at the top running backs at running back university, therefore making my bottom line better, and therefore making these kids more money with name, image, likeness, and they're, they maybe would want to go to Wisconsin more if you're a good running back. Yeah. Like, even more so. Oh, I think this is way this is a way better deal for Rosenhaus than for anyone. Oh, because yeah. I mean you get you get cheap you get cheap athletes, obviously, because I mean Jalen Berger's still relatively Unknown to most of the country. Correct. Yeah. I, I would say even relatively lesser known still even in the Big Ten because we talked about he had a snap count where he'd only get about 15 touches a game max. But we know that as Badger fans, there's a ton of potential there. And Rosenhaus is getting it obviously for cheap. He's going to get a percentage of whatever he can uh whatever he can wheel and deal for Berger for. But yes, this is a this is a long term plan where He's thinking about 10 years from now, 
if Berger hits, he's going to be cashing in on that Aaron Jones type money. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and then, then that becomes his and he locked it up for since uh, the kid was 18, 19 years old. And then here's the thing you'll see. So making money obviously is everyone wants to make money. I don't know if people that don't want to make money always confuse me, but will you'll be seeing top recruits now looking at Wisconsin to be like, man, if this works out for Jalen Berger, which I assume it, it, it probably will. They'll be looking at Wisconsin and be like, man, Jalen Berger just got the bag. Drew Rosenhaus is with him. I'm a top recruit. I want to go to Wisconsin but, now. But it's not even necessarily Drew Rosenhaus. No, but it's just a big name. Representation. Yeah. yeah. But it's showing that if they can get those kind of deals for a guy at Wisconsin, yeah, it opens the door for, for guys sure. to be like, well, he can get that kind of money at Wisconsin and – Honestly, you're still in the zone where I think people can look at Wisconsin and say, I could probably start there as a freshman. Yeah. And I think, I honestly think this NIL stuff, even though people are like, well, it's just going to stockpile talent at the schools that already have it because they can make money. Well, if all these freshmen who want to make money start going to the same schools, that's not going to happen because nobody's going to pay for the third string quarterback to make $500,000 a year, to make a million dollars a year, you know? Yeah. It, it I really feel this is going to help spread the wealth a little bit, but you have to prove that your school and the school can help market you, you can market yourself or you get somebody like Drew Rosenhaus or his agency on your side and be able to say at X location, you are marketable. It's a win-win for everybody. I, I think the four Unless Jalen Berger doesn't do good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what are you gonna say, that's, the, that's the part that's on yourself. If yeah. you're the university, I think if you look at it this way, obviously this could be beneficial, this relationship with Drew Rosenhaus and his agency. But I think ultimately, if the university really wants all that money, they watch and see what Rosenhaus does for you know a handful of years. Then they basically start their own agency out of the university. Well, it's like and uh, like you know how obviously Drew Rosenhaus isn't the only guy that works at his agency. Right. He's got a ton of people oh, yeah. under him that do all the grunt work, the peons. He, but he I'm saying takes, he just takes the big big guys, the plebs, yeah, out there. the plebs and the peons. Really. This is probably Joe Smith is representing him on behalf of well, it's the, the name. It's the name. I'm yeah. saying if you're the university down the line, you probably watch and see how these agencies work for a handful of years. Yeah. And then ultimately bring those in as like a a umbrella of your uh, uni- uh, athletic uh, program. Yeah. And you have specific guys that are like the grunt workers for Rosen to come in and work for you and do that for all of your athletes because we know that we've seen Badger basketball players mm-hmm. go pro. We've we've seen uh, oh obviously NFL and yeah. then you you have other athletes in in more Olympic sports that can still make money mm-hmm. and the university knows that they could make them money that's why they allowed this too and maybe in ten years all of a sudden Wisconsin athletic programs have their own agency uh, I don't well, think they're it's one of because I was talking to some uh, a couple of buddies of mine are lawyers and they want to get into the name image likeness of representing people yeah and he was telling me that Wisconsin doesn't want to do anything with it that they want to they, they want to wash their hands well, of it and not be involved yeah. with the players but that's which to Rowdy's point though it makes sense to behoove them I think to have their own representation because I think they right. would make a lot more money but this this lawyer was telling me because they're getting in the name image likeness business and he was telling me it's like the the people in Wisconsin and other colleges don't want to do it. Yeah, and that's one thing because when it first 
started uh when when the bill was first put in uh to legislation uh I know Bernie was here and we were talking about it and we we talked about is this going to lead to Wisconsin having a department that will help these guys out uh or I shouldn't say guys I mean the student athletes because it's more than just football and yeah. men's sports uh but will they have a department that is the the negotiating people have and I mean, well, there's a lot of gray area. Those of any, us thought it was anything, a good idea. Yeah, you know? If there's, there's anything a lot of we know, though, about the NCAA, if there's anything we know about and some of these universities, universities. and the higher edu- you know, higher yeah. uh, educations here, it's they're not going to want to be shortchanged for money for too long. No, they right. want to so get the bag. I think they're going to see how this plays out with the agencies, and then once they figure it out and know how to play the game, they'll kind of push them inside and hey, we don't need you anymore. It's like the Wild West right yeah, now. Yeah, and you can even... Uh, or at least that's what they the should do if they department. want to start making the money and basically not have a middleman, which is what Drew Rosenhaus and his agency is right now. It's the middleman. Right. Being the athletic department, you could undercut those percentages of saying, we'll only take this much of, yeah. of what you make then. There's so much gray area. It's like the Wild I West. I feel like they'll realize it down the road in a few years. They're like, man, we could actually make a lot more money off this and we don't have to give it to a third party. Yeah. We're going to do it that way. Yeah. Right. I mean, eventually the dominoes will fall and you'll see Wisconsin... Hey, we are uh, have a new uh, program here. You can be yeah. a lawyer for NIL. I mean, if they're crying about... like, we'll just take a commission. They're crying about yeah. not having people out at Camp Randall for game days and their like, billion-dollar slush fund. I don't think they're going to let this money go. No. no. Give it time. Wu-Tang Clan once said, Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. And that's what uh, these universities will definitely be doing. But right now, the agencies are doing it. Drew Rosenhaus teaming up with Jalen Berger. It's burger time. All right, uh, sticking on the Wisconsin Badger theme here, we were talking name, image, likeness as Jalen Berger teaming up with the Rosenhaus agency. Yes, that Rosenhaus, Drew Rosenhaus. A lot of big names, a lot of big money. Uh, Jalen Berger, that's, I mean, good for him. Yeah. And I think it's only the line, right? The offensive line that's teamed up with Mission Barbecue. So Jalen Berger has representation for name, image, likeness. Yep. The offensive line is now getting money from Mission Barbecue. And, and Graham Mertz. More, more likely than and food. food. Yeah, a lot of food. And then Graham Mertz just has his website where he's hawking $40 baby onesies with his name yep. on it. I and, wish we could see Colin the sales Wilder there. Is, uh, Owen Wilder's. Selling. Baby Groot, Baby Groot t-shirts. Which probably had got cease and desisted. Yeah. What did you say, Rowdy? I, I would be interested to see what those sales look like. I haven't bu- have you bought I haven't bought no. anything from Grammar's website. I haven't no. bought anything from any college player. Yeah. There, there <laughs> and, I never, is, and I never will. There is a shirt you'd like on there though. Why? It's like the nineties style big head, small body. See, I bought the Milwaukee Bucks championship one of the nineties style caricatures. I'm no, I'm saying though, like I there's something in me that I just I'm not sorry, Mertz Graham. I know you're listening, brother. I appreciate what you're doing. I like you going and getting money. Like I'm all for everyone getting money. I, I hope everyone gets more money than they had, you know, the the year, the month, the week, the day before. But I'm not going to be buying Graham Mertz gear. I'm just that's just not happening. I'm just I know we kind of thought about this before, but what about after he graduates? No, or leaves? No. You think of some of the players where you would have bought jerseys for, and I'm thinking obviously Ron Dane. Jordan or Jonathan Taylor's probably on there. For me personally, growing up, Joel Stave, Anthony Davis was was the guy. Joel Stave, Matt Bernstein, yeah, 
You wouldn't buy Hornybrook, Rowdy? No. Uh, Anthony Lottie? Would you buy it to Brian? They wouldn't even make that jersey. <laughs> Jared Aberderis? Yeah, Aberderis. Okay, there you go. Uh, Nick Toon probably would have been a big fan favorite what in about that L? scenario. Russell what the Muscle? Yeah, what about Russ? J.J. Oh. Watt? J.J. Watt probably would have been, been a big one. Matt Burns. You go for... you Bill go for Nagy. He listening. Badger basketball. Barry Richter. Badger basketball, it's got to be Frank. Like, a lot of those players that were on those back-to-back Final Four teams would have sold a lot of jerseys, whether it be Frank, whether it be um, Sam Decker. Yep. Devin Harris would have been a big one. Alondo Tucker would have been a big one. Michael Finley. Okay. I like, I, all right, Rowdy, good job. I don't know if you meant to do that, but I'm doing it. You said Alondo Tucker, right? You would have had a lot of jersey sales back in the day. Still up. Oh, wow. What is it really? What is it? Is it still Baby Groot? Yeah, for Wilder. Yeah, with hair and a beard. Yeah, that's. Uh, I can't They're, believe that's still going. Long sleeve T-shirt, thirty-five so, bucks. No thanks. Sales no. must not be going too well. Yeah, it's no not thanks. getting out there. All right, so Rowdy brought up the name, Alondo Tucker. Probably could have been selling a lot of gear, right? And hey, Alondo Tucker, one of my favorite badges of all time. Has that changed now? I don't know. Well, the report was out there, right? Um, we talked about it a couple days ago. It got pretty, it got pretty testy on these airwaves too, actually. So the report was that Alondo Tucker, you know, was uh, trying to get Greg Gard fired. Went to Barry Alvarez and said, "Hey, I'm ready to take over once you get rid of him." And then it was, "Hey, if we get Sean Frazier, uh, the athletic director job, then I'll have it. So you fire Greg Gard, and then you can make me head coach." Alondo Tucker has never really said anything for a very, very long time. Well, boys, the letter is out. Alondo Tucker, in a lengthy statement, is saying this. Since the end of my tenure with the University of Wisconsin Men's Athletic Department, I have been focused on a peaceful and amicable transition for my family and those associates, student athletes, and peers I left behind. For months, however, I have been the target of slanderous articles, conversations, tweets, and messages concerning my exit from UW-Madison, most of which have been based upon falsehoods, mistaken assumptions, and misguided opinions. At this moment, I can no longer remain silent. I wish to state categorically that I have not done any of the things that I have been accused of. Those who know me, have worked with me, know that it is not my character. I chose to return to Wisconsin to be a part of a greater mission to influence, inspire, and empower the next generation of student-athletes while also creating opportunities to further the Wisconsin idea. During my time as Director of Engagement, I not only upheld my duties, but also assisted with recruitment efforts across a number of sports. I took great pride in being a servant to the Madison community and ethos. Uh, yada, 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 yada. He talks about how great he is and how what he's done uh, for the good of Wisconsin. And then the final two paragraphs say this. <clears throat> For that reason, I speak now only to confirm those who support and respect me that I am a man of honor and integrity and would never integrity? T- integrity and would never jeopardize either for a dollar or a title. Although this has been a disheartening experience, my family and I are happy to start our next chapter and don't despise our time at UW-Madison as we have forged lifelong bonds and made great memories. I can only hope that those that remain at UW-Madison continue to support the student-athletes and the athletic uh, program in developing champions and leaders. I appreciate all the real support during these times. Alondo Tucker. Sorry, you timed that. By the way, yeah, that was bad. (laughs) France just beat Slovenia to... uh, 90 to 89. 
90 to 89, France just beat Slovenia to face the United States in the gold medal round. But back to uh, a different basketball court. Alondo Tucker. Back to the goal center. Exactly what I thought he was going to do and what anyone should do, whether you're guilty or innocent or whatever in this situation. What would Tom Brady do? Deny, deny, deny. (laughs) After reading the statement, what did you guys think? I know you guys read it. I just... Um, Deny, deny, deny. He never doesn't really get into anything. It's a vague denial. And... I, I mean, the last line... The whole, I hope those who are still there support the student-athletes and the athletic department. I mean, that makes it sound like he's saying people who are there are not doing that. And I I just feel like it's not really saying... I have been the target of slanderous articles, conversations, tweets, and messages concerning my exit from UW-Madison, most of which have been based upon falsehoods, mistaken assumption, and misguided opinions. But My question is, who did it then? Yeah. Because everyone else the, is still mysteriously, there. Mysteriously, you applied for the full-time assistant position and didn't get it. Then, your position within the athletic department, everybody assumed you were just going to go back to. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. You're not even, uh, you weren't even on the directory anymore. They pulled everything that ever mentioned you at all. That doesn't happen if you didn't do this, unless you said, well, I didn't get that, I'm leaving. But if if that was the case, that would have been something right away somebody, that you come out and say. Somebody obviously released a recorded meeting and edited it to make the players look good and guard look bad. Yeah. Well... I know guard's not going to do it. Yeah. There's some other assistants that are still on the team. I don't think they're going to do it. And all the players, I don't think they're going to release something of them bawling like, you know, cry, they're like crying their eyes out. Did very we, emotional. Uh, check the username of the Google Doc he posted it from. There's only one person <laughs> who's no longer, there's only one person that was in that meeting who's no longer affiliated with the Badgers at all. No, I know some of the players have gone on, like, uh, to, you know, Europe or the NBA. I guess saw Micah Potter just got something. Dimitri Trice got something. Or other schools. I don't think they're going to do that because I don't think they're going to release it. There's only one person who's no longer there. Yeah. I mean, personally, for me, the last couple of days, watching all the drama unfold, I'm kind of already past it. And reason being why I'm already past it is because I don't think a lot of this carries over to the upcoming season. And reason being is, obviously, they chose Sharif Chambliss to replace you. Yeah. You're no longer here. Right. And a lot of the guys that were in that meeting... You're also no longer here. One guy is still there. And that is Brad Davison, the guy that has obviously been pretty vocal about having this team's back and mm-hmm. having the head coach, Greg Gard's back, well, pretty much from the start and being a quote-unquote leader. even in that recorded, uh, in the recording, he at least has constructive criticism where everybody else was sure. like, you're, you're just a pile of poop. Yeah. Well, in the recording, all of the players are all equal distance. Like they don't. One doesn't sound closer than the other. Right. When the the recording device is recording. Yeah. And I think moving it moving forward, you see that Wisconsin's got a super young team. They got a couple of uh, transfers that have now I, come I in. I heard they're not older than the Bulls anymore. Yeah, they're no longer older than NBA teams. I <laughs> I'm kind of just past this news. It's just drama well, I think everyone at this is. Point. Well, the thing is, I mean, Alondo Tucker finally spoke. That's why we brought it up because yeah. it's the first time he's ever said anything. But whoever tried to bring down Greg Gard. It didn't work. Well, to be honest, like when the when the Patrika story came out, if you're 
on a scale of one to a hundred hundred being like oh my god this is drama like we got to get to the bottom of this i think everyone was close to a hundred there when that story came out but now when this comes out a day later it's kind of it's kind of fizzled and it's kind of like well, well, whatever even when the patrika story came out i was like oh i kind of like, well i kind of knew all this stuff yeah i was like I'm pretty sure everybody assumed like, everything you and said. And we all, we all heard that, too. We had people... The only thing we didn't hear was that if Sean Fraser got hired, he was going to fire guard and hire Alondo Tucker. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, but, if that did happen, my biggest question would be, why didn't Barry Alvarez say something? And maybe he did. Maybe we just don't know. Yeah. So, who knows? All I know is the story, as Rowdy suggested, and a lot of people are saying, like, it's lame. It's over now. He tried to bring down Greg Gard. It didn't work. Yeah. Now there's one person that's got egg all over his face. He proclaims he didn't do anything. Well, I don't know. But the timelines doesn't add up for you, and all the information out there doesn't really add up for you. You're no longer with the program. And it's kind of bizarre. Plus, in the letter, it says things that are out there and uh, that are slanderous. What things? Just flat out say, I didn't record it. I mean, I didn't go to Barry the Alvarez. The recording didn't release itself. Yeah. I didn't go to Barry Alvarez. I didn't talk to Sean Frazier about coming in and replacing guard with me when he gets hired. I mean... I guess Say those exact you know what? three things. I know things. what it was. I know what it was. And, Rowdy, I think you agree with me. Russia. Our guy, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie! What's up, brother? What do you think, Evo? Is, is, is it make or break this year for Big Mike? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he gets, a, he gets a pretty big pass last year, Robbie, right? I mean, Dak Prescott breaks his ankle. My wife thought his shoe was on wrong. I'm like, no, his ankle's just uh, broken. And then you got, uh, obviously, Mike McCarthy coming in, Robbie. COVID-19 shuts down everything. A new head coach, a new system, a new everything. It's hard to implement something when you can't be face-to-face. So I think he's got some time. What do you think? I don't know. You, you know that you know that, that owner has a quick trigger. That, 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 that owner doesn't have many years left, right? And he, 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 he we'll see if, if, if they're – Nine and eight, and and are a wild card team or something like that, or, or I guess nine and eight would probably win that garbage division, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, probably. Then then he then he's probably okay. If uh, I just wonder, if our, uh, or, or sorry, Evo, if they're five and twelve, what what the heck we're talking about? Big Mike would never allow that to happen, Robbie. We'll probably not. We will see what probably happens, not. though. Not okay. Not the highly successful NFL head coach. No, no, Robbie. He's got a street named after him. Robbie, he asked me this morning if I was going to be tuning in this game, and I I told him. Probably not. And he said, you didn't want to see Big Mike work with all the young quarterbacks. And I go, I don't need to turn into or tune into the first preseason game to watch him uh, play around with all the same quarterbacks he did all year last year. <laughs> Gucci, you, you, know, you know you're going to be T-Voing it, Nelly, and then watching it over the weekend. I love it, Rob. Hey, Rob, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, now, listen, it's the one story that's gripped. Uh, Packer Nation the whole time. Brian Gutekunst, Matt, uh, Matt Lafleur, uh, Mark Murphy versus kind of Aaron Rodgers. I'll throw Matt. I'll throw Matt Lafleur out of it. Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst versus Aaron Rodgers. Well, Robbie in Packers training camp, we saw Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst kind of getting buddy buddy to a degree. They're seen talking together at Ray Nitschke Field, and Rodgers called this a work in progress for sure on their relationship. Brian Gutekunst also called it professional. Uh, what are we thinking right now with the drama? Is there less drama surrounding the Packers in week two in training camp with these two entities? There probably is a little less drama, but you know, I think they all understand Evo moving forward, what, what they need to do to, to chase the championship. But you know, the, the fans that want Aaron Rodgers back, I, I'm just going to throw one number at you. And, and that's all you have to remember. 46.2, $46.2 million is Aaron Rodgers contract next season. And, 
And for you know, right, right now, uh, Evo, that's twenty two and a half percent of the salary cap. <laughs> he's he's not coming back. He's not sticking around. I think they've you know they have a handshake agreement for the most part. That that this is it. It's the last dance. They're gonna they're gonna take one last run at it together. Gutekunst uh, kicked a lot of money down the road with with guys like Darius Smith, who's gonna make twenty eight million dollars next year, and. David Bakhtiari was going to make 23, and Kenny Clark was going to make 21, and Preston Spence is going to make 20. I mean, you can't pay all these guys 20 plus billion dollars moving forward and, and think you're going to field a football team unless everybody else is coming in there on minimum wage deals. And that's not how they're going to play football. They're going to play football next year with a quarterback making 3.4 million dollars in Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers will be in a different uniform. They'll get a ton of draft uh, picks for him if he if he has a year. Evo even close to what he did in 2020, and uh, they're going to chase. Uh, you know, they're going to they're going to keep you know trying to chase championships that way with a with a quarterback on a rookie deal and hoping Jordan Love can play. You know, specifically, you know, to Kuda Kunst and and Rogers chatting a little bit uh, yesterday at, at at practice and or two days ago, I guess that was. It's it, it, it's going to happen. I mean, these, these guys have to have some form of dialogue, um, it, and and Rogers wants to be in the room. When, when some of these personnel decisions are made, I you know I assume the next time that would happen would would maybe be late in camp if they're assuming you know if they're thinking of picking somebody up or at the trading deadline or something like that. Evil um, again, I I don't think he's going to have an overly large voice, and you know I think for the most part they're just going to humor him and, and listen to him. But they have to have some form of communication and dialogue moving forward to to, to get through this particular season. They're they're not just going to each other on the practice field kind of give each other nasty looks and turn and go the other direction um they're they're going to try to get through this thing i guess as cordial as possible fully understanding that the divorce is taking place in the in the off season um you know after the 2021 campaign ends and and, and i think i think they all have the same goal uh, in mind obviously Ebo at the end of the day uh, and, and they're going to try to make things as cordial as possible to, to try to get to that end point. I do think there's going to be, you know, some bumps in the road as, as, as we go here, Evo. You know, let, let's just focus specifically yeah. on, you know, on Randall Cobb. I mean, what, what happens if Randall Cobb's not one of your five best wide receivers hmm. when, when this is all said and done and he's inactive and, and the quarterback is mad? Um, you know, what happens if they pick up player A and, and the quarterback wanted player B? I, I do think there's some hiccups that can that, that will still happen through the course of this course of this year, Evo. But you know, for for now at least they're they're trying to get as close as they can on the same page and, and, and try to chase the championship together. Well, Robbie, speaking of being cordial and communication and all of that you're talking about with Rogers and Gutekunst and whatever, I did see that uh, coming from yesterday's practice that Rogers was saying that he did keep in touch with Jordan Love throughout the offseason to keep him in the loop where his head is at saying, you know, I reached out, reached out a number of times to check on him to see how he's doing. I didn't hold things back from him, yada, yada, yada. I said where I was mentally. Is Aaron Rodgers trying to help out the Green Bay Packers by, you know, letting Jordan Love be in this loop, something Brett Favre didn't do with him? And, and I think you hit the key point right there. I mean, it, it stung Rodgers deeply you know, all those years where, where Favre froze him out, where Favre wasn't particularly good to him, where Favre and some other guys in that locker room kind of teased him and, and, <laughs> and played jokes on What's him. What's that one and, story you like and, to tell about that? What's that? What's that one story you like to tell when Rogers like the helmet, the practice helmet or something? 
Yeah, I, I you know I that that that's in one of the books on on far that <laughs> that that they grabbed Rogers' helmet uh, before a practice and everybody and and, and Rogers was looking everywhere for it and, and it wound up everybody signed the helmet I believe and then you know, <laughs> put it back to him and he had to go to he had to go to practice with a helmet with you know fifty eight signatures on it or whatever it turned out to be so you know uh, Brett was a no- notorious prankster and, and you know and Brett and Brett could. You know, certainly have some of those pranks have a little bit of evil to them as well, right? And 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 he wasn't great to Rogers. And and I've talked with Rogers about this, you know, through the years, and certainly with a couple of books that that I did on that I did on Rogers. And you know, even back to like 2015, let's say, uh, evil, I, I broached this with with Rogers. What are you going to do when they bring in your next guy? And and the one thing he's always, you know, kind of been adamant about is he he has said, I I'm going to be better to him than Favre was to me. Now, he and Favre, you know, Rogers and Favre certainly seem to have reconciled and, and built some type of relationship at, at this point in time. But, you know, back there in those years, 05, 06, 07, you know, Brett was looking over his shoulder every single day. And, you know, by 07, he could see that, that Rogers was a viable option and Rogers could play. And, and you know, and, and Favre didn't want anybody chasing his job back then. And, and, and Favre was ticked that they took Rogers with the 24th pick in the 05 draft. Um, I think Rogers just knowing that this is it, Bart. I think Rogers will be better to love than than Favre was to Rogers. Um, uh, you know, is 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 he going to let him in on on every single house secret that he has, which is which has helped you know turn him into a three time MVP and a Super Bowl champ? I I can't answer that, but I think he's going to be pretty good to him overall, just largely based on the fact you know that that I know he, he took it very personally and he was hurt pretty deeply how far treated him those three yeah. years they were together. Rob Rice is joining us right now from Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, uh, a breath of fresh air sometimes when it comes to these, well, all the time, I should say, when it comes to reality for the Packers. Rob, how about this for reality? Something we've known for a long time uh, for Packers is the defense is uh, let us this down, disappointing, a little left to be desired, right? Well, it seems like it's been trending up ever since Brian Gutekunst got here. Now we have a new uh, coordinator in Joe Barry, right? Aaron Rodgers did say, though, that the Packers' defense is definitely different this year. You've been saying this for a while, right, Robbie, that the defense is going to turn some heads this year, yes? Well, you know, if you look at the second half of last year alone, Evo, I mean, they started slow, they came on strong, they finished as a top-10 defense, and I think people are very quick to forget they intercepted Tom Brady three times in the second half of that NFC Championship game. You go back through Tom Brady's history. How many times has that happened? Right? Not, 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 not ever. Not, not ever has there been three, three picks and a half. I mean, we're talking about the goat, and they got him three times. The problem in that championship game, uh, Evo, is they only turned that into seven points. Yeah. They, they had two, three, and outs out of that, and they had one touchdown drive. No, I, I, I think they're extremely deep. I think they're talented. I, I think Gutekunst has has made. Not you know, not just inside the draft, but minor moves after the draft. They're going to they're, they're, are going to help this group. I, the, the rookie corner Eric Stokes is going to turn into a player. I think when it's all said and done, uh, Evo may, maybe as soon as, as this season. Kevin King still you know kind of on that pup injured list right now. So Stokes is getting all that work at corner. The rest of that group in the secondary is totally back, um, Evo. So we're you know we're talking about the best corner in football in Alexander. We're talking about a guy in Adrian Amos who ranked in the top three, according to pro football focus, in terms of the best safeties in the league last year. Savage is a guy on the rise. Um, you know, you'll have King Stokes at that at that other spot. There's plenty of depth and talent in, in terms of the of the nickel. 
I, I think they've got three outside linebackers that are more than legitimate with the two Smiths and Gary. You know, they signed this Campbell, who I think is going to turn into a decent player for him, and they they finally got an inside linebacker, I think, Evo, that you might be able to keep on the field all three downs. And, and the guys up front, I think, have always been a little bit underrated. They, they've needed some depth there, Evo. But, um, you know, top to bottom, this is – this is a defense that should stay in the top ten, and if the offense comes close to doing what it did last year when it was the number one scoring offense in football, um, you know, th- th- there's going to be a lot of off-the-field yeah. drama, and I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of elements, that, you know, that go into this team trying to chase the championship. Kid Rogers and Gutekunz, Kid Rogers and management coexist and be peaceful all season long, Evo. But, but if they keep the off-the-field drama to a minimum, you know, it is a championship roster. We're going to find out if it's a championship team or not. But right now, Evo, there's no question to me it's a championship roster. Love it. Uh, Robbie, something that probably would keep Rodgers happy would be that offensive line. How is David Bakhtiari doing? I know he was with the podium the other day. Uh, but what do you think David Bakhtiari, is he going to be ready for week one? I know it would be a tough ask after turning that ACL right before a 2021 hit. And then they also signed some new guys. What's, uh, what's the status of the offensive line for the green and gold? Yeah, I think it was New Year's Eve, right, that he that he tore the ACL leading into that Week 17 Bears game. You know, Evo, what, what does the schedule start? Saints, Lions, I, I you know, after that I, I forget what Week 3 looks like. The bottom line is they are not going to rush back, you know, a, a franchise left tackle, a potential Hall of Fame left tackle. Um, I would personally be shocked. We're only talking eight months when, when they go to New Orleans and, on, on September 12th, since Bakhtiari would have torn that, that ACL eight and a half months. That's a pretty quick turnaround. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a month, six weeks, or something like that uh, before you see Bakhtiari. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Evo, this team should be worried about December and January a hell of a lot more than they should be worried about September. Um, if they take a lump here or there in September um, be, because they don't have the left tackle, well, that that's life in the big city, and 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 they'll overcome that if they if they're good enough down the road. Um, the encouraging thing is Elton Jenkins has jumped out to play left tackle. You remember last year, Evo? Um, you know, after Bakhtiari went down, they they screwed around there a, a little bit. They they went Billy Turner outside. They went Ricky Wagner to right tackle. Uh, they weren't exactly sure the best path to take moving forward. They came to the conclusion this off season that their best path was it was to kick Jenkins out to tackle. They, they will probably open the year, I would think, Evo, with, with Runyon and Patrick at, at, at the guards, which is a huge question, Mark, because you've got a rookie center in there. Um, so they are going to be very young and inexperienced and, and, and don't have elite talent on the inside of that offensive line if, if, if that's the group they're going to they're gonna go into the regular season opener with. And, and the path to Rodgers is going to be right up the middle, Evo, uh, with, with big noses and blitzing linebackers. But the positive is Jenkins has been just rock solid. He's been a rock star out at left tackle. We'll see a lot more, Evo, once the pads go on fully. They went to shoulder pads a couple days ago. We'll see a lot more when the pads come on in, in full. Um, you know, but Turner is good enough. And I, I think Turner's the top, you know, 15 right tackle in, in football. Uh, you know, the big question, Evo, is going to be on the interior, like I said. I think Lucas Patrick is somewhat of a proven starter. Runyon could be new. And uh, they're going to have a rookie center in Josh Myers. Yeah. So that's where the questions are going to be. And, and that's where defensive coordinators are going to come after Aaron Rodgers right up the gut. Rob, we love your stuff at Forbes.com, Conley Media. We'll keep following along on Twitter at Rob Reichel. But before I let you go... Not a football question, a baseball question. 
What'd you think of Craig Council pulling Adrian Hauser with the no hitter bid going? At 104 pitches, right? Yeah, Unbel- un- un- unbelievable. I- I'll just say this: Craig Council got what he deserved that night—an eight-to-five loss in extra innings. Because <laughs> you-, you just don't touch a guy with a no-no. I know. I I, I grew up in an era. Um, you know, where, where guys finished half of their starts, for God's sakes. You know, I watched Mike Caldwell win 22 games in 1982. He was 22 and 9 that year, Evo, and he, and he finished about half of those starts. That, 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 it, it, it's gone and it's sad. And, and I know I probably sound like an old man yelling at a That's cloud. Fine. That's fine. Um, but but I'll, I'll, have, I'll absolutely tell you what, you, you don't touch a guy with a no no when he's got 104 pitches. If he's got 140, that might be a different story, but not at 104. And the baseball gods were mad, and the baseball gods took it all out on Craig Council and the Brewers. Hey, Rob, at 140, you're just getting warmed up in home talent, all right? That's a good point. You you, you absolutely were. I, I think Cy Young had 700 <laughs> complete games, people. He, he was just getting warmed up at 140. I saw your retweet, Robbie. Adrian Hauser was the first pitcher in Brewers history to be removed from a game with a no-hitter intact after starting the seventh inning. That's this manager. You and I could do. You and I could do a month worth of shows on on the coward, the cowardice that this manager is. Oh, Robbie, we love you, buddy. We love you, Robbie. Hey, love Rob, you guys too. Have fun have at Packers Training Camp, man. You're good stuff. We love you. See you, buddy. Do you think Aaron Rodgers wants to choke out Brian Gutekunst? Oh, what are you talking about? All the tweets, they're 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 buddies. They're buds. It's a professional relationship. And they're working on it. It's work in progress. Isn't, working, isn't that yeah, the tweet? Well, I have actually have the comment here. Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst were seen talking, chumming it up at Ray Nitschke Field the other day. Uh, even our guy, Zach Heilprin, our sports director, got the photo. He's the one that tweeted it out. It went viral. Even Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore was, uh, quote, tweeting it. It was incredible. So Rodgers was asked about being photographed next to Brian Gutekunst at practice. And if their relationship's improving or not, here's uh, number 12. Um, well, I think it's a work in progress for yeah, sure. Tough. I mean, I think, you know, relationships aren't formed uh, in a matter of a couple of days. You know, there's there's time where the respect grows and the, and the communication follows. You know, I think the, the greatest relationships that you have, you know, with your friends and loved ones involve conversations that flow. Rowdy, you had something to say quick? It just kind of made me chuckle a little bit with Aaron Rodgers saying how relationships don't just form like in a second or the first day you meet, but then you can go back on his prior history and say, what about Shailene Woodley? That I mean, came out of nowhere we, to being okay. engaged to saying, hey, we actually met when I was dating Danica, Danica Patrick, and then we just hit it off and Danica. Listen, I'm not going to tell, I'm not gonna tell <laughs> I'm anyone. Just, I'm just saying, I feel like that's a little false. I'm not going to tell anyone how to, you know, in his to love. I'm not going to, I'm not, I, you know, everyone speaks a different love language, Rowdy. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing but out. But during all of this, I assume that Rogers and Danica Patrick were together. Then all of a sudden he's engaged with Shailene Woodway. And he said these relationships don't just start in the in an instant. Well, I, I feel like that one kind of did. I, I rewound the clip a little bit. Let's let's get back to and it. The communication follows. You know, I think the the greatest relationships that you have, you know, with your friends and loved ones, involve conversations that flow. You know, you can not talk to a close. Uh, real quick, I, friends and loved ones, relationships, right? His parents? His friend for a few months and pick up right where he left off. 
you know, there's no break in, in communication. There's no um, forced conversations or you got to hit this person up because it's on your to-do list that day. You know, it's all about wanting to have those those conversations and, and wanting to, uh, you know, to be in conversation like that. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we've had a couple conversations and been positive conversations. All right, so they've had positive conversations. It's a work in progress, and Rogers talks about some things that don't make sense. Another, re- whatever. I'm whatever. <laughs> love who you love. Whatever. If you don't want, I'm glad I put that out there. It's, it, it makes you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, I got some more comments coming up about relationship from Aaron Rodgers. But before that, let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Test of the day. Oh, you are a pest. So I'm going to do this. Goodbye forever. All right, so. Aaron Rodgers also was talking about speaking of relationships. <laughs> he even he, Charlie calls himself the pest, yet goes out of his way to be a pest. Charlie, you're like Aaron Rodgers. You're making no sense. Uh, here's more from Rodgers when it comes to uh, relationships. Randall Cobb. Because I'm pretty sure Brian Gutekun said this, Rowdy. Randall Cobb would not be a Packer if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers. I was, I was kind of thinking about this the other day, or la- last night, actually. And then Rob Reichel was on about an hour ago, and he was talking about how this seems like the last dance and Goody and Aaron Rodgers just specifically have a professional relationship because they're trying to coexist for one more season. And Aaron Rodgers price tag is $46 million with the current contract next year towards the cap. And on top of that, he already reworked his deal where they cut a year off and all signs point to him being out. But then you see the picture of Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers sitting there talking at practice and obviously it looked like a I wasn't there, but it looked like a friendlier conversation, right? Yeah. Like it's not like they looked like they were in standoffish. They looked like it was closer to buddy buddy. And I thought maybe this was Aaron Rodgers' hedge to just try and get a little bit more say in things that they actually do. Not that he wants to be GM one hundred percent of the time and check with me before you make a move, but actually Maybe he really wasn't let into that, uh, I guess, triangle of power between Murphy, Ball. I guess it's not even triangle. We'll call it the square because <laughs> it is pretty square. Well, one of the it is lame. One but, of the, uh, Russ Ball like is just a yes yeah. man for Mark Murphy. So it's it's like a triangle. And he's plus the one. money guy for obviously Gutekunst, but then it's basically Lafleur and Murphy and yeah. Gutekunst. Yeah. So maybe he just wasn't being given really any input. And he wanted some. And the fact is, this is how he maneuvered his way into getting some. It was, hey, hey Brian I, I want to, yeah. F you. Basically, but I want to have some input on these things. They bring in Randall Cobb. They're they're talking more. Open communication is better than no communication. That's, yeah. And by putting himself into just that one-year deal and not having the extra year, it's like, say Jordan Love really doesn't look good in the preseason this year. Aaron Rodgers goes out and is another all-pro season. All of a sudden, that shorter deal means that Goody has to make the decision quicker. He can't just continue to make Aaron well, Rodgers a lame duck quarterback okay. for potentially another year. And this is a this is a hey, you only have me for one more year. Maybe we should talk about restructuring and signing another extension. That could be. But and uh, maybe what about that extension this? was only for going to be another couple more. What years. about Brian Gutekunst? Is like, man, I am sick and tired of hearing this guy bitch and moan about the job that I've been doing. I came in here from a roster that was just putrid and have been working it back ever since. We've made it to two NFC title games. Unfortunately, we've lost. We've been winning the NFC North. I've been bringing this roster back from what Ted Thompson left at RAP. 
and I got this guy whining nonstop, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut Aaron Rodgers up by one move and one move only, and hopefully it'll backfire in his face. And if it doesn't, then it means the Packers are going to work out. I will let him go get Randall Cobb, and then I will have final say over everything else from here on out. I'm just saying, personally, if I was that at odds with the front office, and I was that standoffish with the... with the Because uh, the office gen- likes Jordan Love. General manager... I don't think I could stand there and chat him up while we were at practice. I don't. Th- I don't think I personally could sit there and put on a fake I think face. It's a big mind game for Rodgers. Now and I know Goody. some. I think it's I a big some people game. are different. Head games, foreigner. But for the most part, with me, you know where you stand. Oh yeah, Rowdy will beat you up if he doesn't like you. Even if you're. Even if you're. <laughs> he'll he'll throw hands. Like you know what I mean though. I I couldn't sit there and. And and talk to Goody if we were that at odds about anything, it would just be kind of like you know you stay over there, I'm over here. Yeah, it is interesting. I think it's one big chess game. Uh, speaking of line two, this isn't Seymour Butts, is it? Uh, no, it's just Scott. Hey Scott, what's up, man? Hey, is anybody else a little concerned about um, Rogers kind of going above and beyond to make sure that Randall Cobb has a good year? I mean, you know, he's, right. he's the one that it's, you know, it's his ass on the line. And I, you know, the, the way uh, Rogers is wired, I just think that he might, you know, go at him a little bit more than he should. I mean, he does it with, you know, um, Adams at, at times. And it's like, you know, I, I just think it might. Well, Scott, it Scott I think bit. you're on to something, man, because I mean, this is an Aaron Rodgers move. Brian Gutekun said himself, he wouldn't be making this move. If it wasn't for Rodgers. Well, I mean, obviously Devante is going to get his, but if, if Randall Cobb, who obviously well, last time he was with the Packers, a little slow injury prone, right? If Rodgers dials in on him to make sure that his move isn't a mistake, that could, you know, spell some trouble. No, I agree. I think it'll it'll trickle down to Tanyan and to you know everybody else, you know, because I think Rogers is going to be like, you know, I told you so. This guy is good, and you know, I don't know if he is. He probably isn't. He's losing a little speed and whatnot. So yeah. I don't. Know. Just I hope he doesn't target him more than he needs to, Scott, and I think he will. Scott, um, is this your first time calling in, Scott? It is not. Okay, nope. okay. I was I just hadn't heard from you in a while. I was just trying to remember correctly. No, it so, has been it has been a well, while. Thanks for being on hold, Scott, and uh, dealing with um, Charlie for a little bit, and then Hawkeye. But Scott, let me ask you, man, when it comes to this season for the Packers, do you have a good feeling about it? Um, you know what I do, and everything I, I'm reading, it just I just don't know if Jordan Love is any good. I mean, <laughs> it's like you hear all these people, and it's like I don't know if if you know this whole year is going to play out. And what happens if Jordan Love still sucks? Then maybe what we need to do is just cut him and let him go a packing or trade him for a fifth round pick or something. And then maybe Rogers will be like, okay, let's re-sign and do something for another three, four years. I don't know. It, it sounds like Rogers is so much better than Jordan Love. The minute he shows up on practice, I mean, it's just, I guess he had like a 60 yard touchdown pass on his first, you know, toss, you know, right when he came yeah. back on the first play when he got back. So yeah. Who knows, but... Well, Scott, good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, it is a concern, right. right? We'll see what happens. Scott, and tell uh, tell Seymour Butts we said hi, okay? I sure will. <laughs> see you, Scott. <laughs> no, to, to Scott's point about Jordan Love being up and down, I feel like you, if you're following a lot of the Packer beat writers, one play he'll look like an all-pro, and the next play it looks like he is a rookie quarterback. Yeah, like, it's ups and downs. And that's kind of like after his junior year where he really balled out for Utah State. That kind of sounds like his senior year where Gary Anderson was his coach and he was trying to play hero ball, and one play he'd look amazing, the other play it's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's concerning. Rodgers is out there, though, talking to Gutekinds. Could be some giant head games. Scott called in a little bit ago, 
he uh, I was going to go to see more butts, but Scott called in instead. And he said, well, how is this Randall Cobb thing going to affect Aaron Rodgers? And, like, you know, Rodgers proving a point that Randall Cobb should belong on the team and he's going to get focused on Cobb and trying to make him look good and forget about the other wide receivers, tight ends, you name it. And you had another because of Scott's phone call, you had a little spark in that brain of yours, Rowdy. Well, yeah, I'm th- I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about it. And what do we know about when Aaron Rodgers didn't trust receivers? What time in, in those his career and their career it was? A lot of them, it was when they were young. It was like their rookie year when it was MVS, St. Brown. Some of them weren't healthy. Obviously, we knew that some of them weren't picking up the playbook super well. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit different now. Like, I get where Scott's coming from, right? Because we've definitely seen him target Devontae Adams overwhelmingly in the past when other guys are potentially... hyper-focused. But the two points that I'm going to bring up are, one, that was when the MVSs and St. Browns were were younger in their rookie years, very inexperienced. I think he has a lot more respect and a lot more belief in those guys at this point in their career. Agreed. Especially since they're going into the last year's of their contracts. They've been there for a full contract now. They're no, no longer doubt. rookies. Yep, yep, yep. The other thing I think to that is we've talked about this since pretty much the first four weeks of Matt LaFleur's first season. Matt LaFleur does a really good – he's a lot different when it comes to Mike McCarthy's style of offense. He's a lot more of the, hey, we're going to draw up a scheme here. This guy's going to do this while this guy does that, and it's going to free up this guy. Where Mike McCarthy, especially towards the end of his tenure, was a lot more, Hero ball. hey, let's uh, draw this up in the sand, and we're going to go and play on the fly. Yeah. Well, Which could have been Rodgers doing that too. Basically, uh, LaFleur, since the first few weeks of his first season, the Green Bay Packers and, and LaFleur – OC and head coach have drawn up so many good offensive schemes and plays that normally there's always a wide receiver open for the most part. Yeah. So it's not as much of Rodgers running around with his head cut off trying to make a play. So there have been open receivers where Rodgers just has to hit the open receiver, right? So I think that'll play into a little bit where it's like you'll really you'll really be able to tell if he doesn't want to go to the open receiver like there has been in the past because a guy should be open or a lot of times is open in that scheme. And then for the third point is if he doesn't go to those guys that are open and is trying to force it to Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb, it's going to become even more evident in this type of a scheme and system than it was in Mike McCarthy's let's go out and play schoolyard. And then we're going to have to bring into questions, does he really want to be in Green Bay? And uh, is he trying to win? Because on all fronts now, it looks like everyone's all in on a Super Bowl. That's that's the main goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think every single year with Mike McCarthy, I feel like for most people and for most Packer fans, that was also the same sentiment, except for I don't know about Aaron Rodgers in one year. Well, the one year Aaron Rodgers trying to get him fired. And he accomplished that feat. Referring to for sure. Yeah. And I, it's not that I don't think he's trying to get LaFleur fired if he did that. It's he wants out of Green Bay. It's going to be an interesting year. I mean, Rodgers says the fire still burns. He wouldn't be back if he wasn't 110% committed to winning you know, football games for the Packers. He says that. We'll see what happens. And I don't think that's going to happen. But sure if, if he all of a sudden is targeting Cobb or he is just targeting Devontae Adams, you could look at that for being the reason why.